right. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Week. Uh, we are here with a hot of the press author based in Sydney, Amanda Aravina, to my left, to my left on the screen. Anyway, good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Nat. How are you? I'm amazing and I can't wait to talk to you because you and I haven't spent quite as much time throughout this journey because you've been one of my authors who actually um, just engaged us for a publishing package. But funny enough, we were just talking about we only met six months ago, right? I know. Yeah. It's like nothing. <laughs> Exactly. And I would normally say when someone does our full retreat program, it's generally going to be four to six months to do it. So uh, it's all a testament to you being super disciplined and organized to follow our process and now have your book. Guys, you can see the book in the background there, but I'm going to share a little bit of a bigger uh, picture of Amanda's book here, The Workplace Whisperer. Take your team from mediocre to world class by the end of this book. There she is. Uh, and um, and what I wanted to share, first of all, before we get stuck into the conversation, is a little bit about Amanda. Um, and then we're going to talk about does your workplace culture suck and how can we work to improve it? So, guys, Amanda is a corporate trainer and an accredited disc behavioral profiler. She's also now a published author, The Workplace Whisperer. So, Amanda has a passion for training and uh, as not just a way to impart knowledge, but a way to empower others through shared knowledge. Amanda is the founder of Unique Team Training, which provides team building and professional development programs for organizations. All right. So, um, Amanda, um, you talk all about culture. Let's kind of explain what, if we were to define it, what is culture? <laughs> okay. So, workplace culture is basically everything that the organization stands for that's displayed in the behaviors that occur in the workplace. So, it's all well and good to have a workplace culture documented. But unless it's communicated and, you know, um, put into practice day to day, it really doesn't exist. So that's essentially what workplace culture is. Yeah, I love that. And uh, you talk about an employee life cycle and getting the culture right throughout their whole uh, life cycle of working for you. So what does, you know, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so the employee life cycle is everything from deciding that you need to recruit for a role, everything that you'll go through with the employee, uh, their onboarding, their um, performance, you know, reviews, everything that goes on their productivity throughout the role, how well they do, all the way through until the employee exit and how you manage that exit process um, as employees naturally leave organisations. Yeah, I love that. So like the systems that you have and how does everything kind of happen? Exactly, yep. Yeah, beautiful. Let's backtrack a little bit. How long had you been thinking about writing a book before you actually decided to do it? Oh, my gosh. I've been thinking about writing a book since I was born, basically. <laughs> but over the last four years, you know, really being in workplaces and having a look at their culture, I thought there's so much to share on this. Um, but the thing that overwhelmed me was the publishing process. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. Um, yeah. And then I met you, Nat. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. So how long, uh, how long have you been involved in, like, corporate culture and, and the training that you provide? Yeah, so I've been in the training space for about 15 years in one way or another. 
but as an employee. And then four years ago, I launched my business that completely focused on, you know, bringing high quality outcome driven training to organizations to help to shift their workplace culture. Mm. So at what point do organizations uh, seek someone out like you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think if everything's hunky-dory, yeah. usually people won't look for that. So yeah. what are some like, you know, maybe uh, points to look out for that someone might need someone like yourself? Yeah, so it's really interesting. So, you know, historically, people would seek out somebody like me if they had a high turnover, and they were constantly having to replace team members, because that's a really expensive process. So they would be looking at what's going on within the team that can be improved. So that stops happening. If there's a lot of conflict, and not a lot of collaboration was another time that people would seek me out. But it's been interesting post COVID. And even just in the last few weeks is people are wanting to invest in their teams more because we've been apart for so long and teams are formed and they don't know each other and people have left and new people have started so more and more organizations are saying okay we might not necessarily have a problem but how can we better support our teams back into our new normal post-covid yeah that's such a yeah I know I know exactly what you mean because from us being face-to-face yeah. -face with people and then our teams all, uh, we had a, have a virtual assistant over in the Philippines that we actually have met because I did make the effort to yeah. go and take the team there to spend time with her and get to know her in real life. And But then everyone became a virtual yeah. assistant, <laughs> like not a virtual assistant, but a virtual employee, right? And um, Ab absolutely. Mm. So what are some other... And there's so much, like there's so much. Sorry, sorry, go. <laughs> I think we've got a little delay here. I was gonna ask, um, what are some things that you're seeing or maybe suggesting that people do now that we're coming back in or like you know to reconnect? Yeah, so definitely team building is one thing that I've been asked about a lot in the last year couple of weeks and months. Um, so anything from, you know, getting your team together for two hours through until doing a full day program with them. And I think to help us connect and get to know each other, training is great. But, you know, when people think of training, they think, oh, I'm going to sit there and write in the book. That's not what my training programs look like. You know, it's very interactive um, and very fun. So I think just investing in your team in that way, allowing them to get together is such a great way to connect and do it in a really fun way yeah I, I believe that I mean one of our core values um we we say we have the four f words it's fast fun fame and family so we're always very fast and you would know um <laughs> the way after working with us how quickly everything just happens you know yeah. you know fast fun you know we've got to bring it in I mean otherwise you know, we're doing what we do, you know, we're in the workplace is what a third of our lives, if not more. Exactly. Yep. You're there a long time in the workplace. So you want to make it mm. as pleasant as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, feel that feeling of family, especially when there's a smaller team, um, you know, yes. everyone is kind of like fighting for, for the success of the business. Absolutely. And when, you know, whether you've got small teams or large teams, that's the ultimate goal, right, is to have people really, really passionate about what it is that they do, no matter what it is at work, and working really well together, because it is like a second family. It is. Yeah. So 
you do a lot of disc um, behavioral profiling uh, in what you do. Can you tell me a little more about that and um, how that kind of plays a big part? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. So I guess, you know, we come from the premise um, that with the four DISC behavioural profiles that individuals will show a preference for one of them and that drives their behaviour in the workplace and also in life. So DISC essentially is an acronym that describes four different behavioural profiles and their dominance, influence, steadiness and compliance. And once we start understanding that in any workplace is a mix of those four profiles and they behave very, very differently, we start to get a real understanding of how we can communicate with the different profiles in a way that makes sense for them um, and also work together as a team, drawing on the strengths of each of those profiles. Yeah, I love that. I, I, do, I have studied this before and um, yeah. and I, I understand sometimes if I clash with some people, why and, you know, what is that within their personality that, I'm, that, I, that I like that I'm doing and I'm kind of playing out yeah. my own behavioural profile and things like that. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I talk about this in my book through case studies, etc. is that two, you know, two people can be saying the same thing, but in totally different ways. And that's why they rub each other up the wrong way. They're still trying to get to the same outcome. They're just going about it differently. Yeah, I love that. So, um, you know, in your, in your book, like, you know, what, what do you hope people get out of from it? And what if they read it, what will they learn? So I really, really hope that they'll start applying um, the steps needed and the techniques that I talk about throughout the book to their overall workplace culture, because I think the days are gone where it was, you know, go to work, do what you're told and go home again, don't bring your personal life here, that sort of thinking really doesn't exist anymore and if it does it's probably not helpful so I'm hoping that by reading this book organizations will start looking at ways that they can improve their culture you know keep great team members have people excited about coming to work because we spend so much of our life at work yes. so that's my hope for this book yeah I love that and um we we want that because what do you know what the percent I know this is uh, probably I don't know you might not know but you know how um they talk about an engaged uh how many people in the workplace are engaged or disengaged and things like that do you yeah. know what the percentages are no I don't know what the percentage is and I think it can differ from workplace to workplace like I've talked to workplaces yeah. who have a turnover of 80 percent 80 percent of their team members they're trying to replace wow. all the time and yeah. that's a lot of money and a lot of time yeah I think that's um that's one thing that I've observed even on my entrepreneurial journey where most people um started out on their own but they have built up a team even up to five or six or ten people you know and um and you can observe like situations where they do have a high turnover and then companies that have been around and solid for so so long and um yeah it's um it's interesting and does it does it often start from who the person is like the the top down does it is, is that what you do you talk about that yeah, I do. I do talk about that. It can be that. Um, it can be the person from the top. I think as teams get bigger, though, if you can really get this right at the recruitment stage, you'll save yourself a lot of time. There's a case study in the book um, about some 
body that was hired and it was a totally wrong fit and it just caused so many problems down the track. So I think if once you start at the recruitment and that's probably where a lot of the focus of the book is is around behavioral profiling from the get-go and how you can use it as a tool to draw on strengths not just a way to pigeonhole people because we don't want to do that we're very complicated human beings so I think it, it can be for a number of reasons that you know um culture can start to shift in a not so positive way Mm, yeah and all of us you know should be getting continuous training and you know education which is what a lot of people tend to stop doing once they're at work like they stop learning I agree um and you're exactly right with that you know if there's a tip that I can give people you know outside of what I talk about in the book is invest in your team training I think sometimes people's train or organizations training budget can be absorbed into other areas but what will happen is if you don't invest in training your team you're going to be hemorrhaging money elsewhere whether it's in recruitment costs whether it's in workers compensation claims so you know getting making sure that your training budget goes to training and you know you and I were talking about this before that the federal government's announced under the skills training boost that for every hundred dollars an organization spends on an external Australian-based trainer for their team they get hundred and twenty dollars back it's a hundred and twenty percent tax break over the next two years this is in place for so it is a really great time to invest in your team and it's costing you nothing essentially yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I don't know. Some people are self-driven um, people who would educate themselves and read books and all that sort of stuff. Um, but most people, I would say, need someone like yourself to come and um, facilitate the process, right? Exactly. And I think that's a big part of it is the facilitation process, because you might know that you want to upskill your team in a certain way, but you don't actually know where to start. And that's where we come in because we customize all of our programs for each organization. There is no you know, program that's repeated for anybody. Yeah. Uh, so it's really based on achieving the organization's goals. Yeah. So you would go in, so talk me through, you would go in and kind of do an analysis of where someone is at? Yeah, so initially I have a conversation with them to find out what's going on for them. Um, We go through what they want their program to look like and what their main goals are. And then I start building that program based on how long they want it to go for, how many participants, what are the... Mm -hmm. they want covered Um, and then I build the program based on that go in and do the delivery and then I do a post-delivery follow-up session and feedback report to measure the success of the program Um, so it's a very it's a very deep process it's not just I'll get the trainer to come out and I'll just do whatever there's actually a lot that goes into it to make sure that organizations get what they need yeah and do you train companies online or offline or both It's both. I find that, you know, now that we're sort of allowed to travel a bit more, people want face-to-face training, uh, but I certainly can do it on Zoom. So I'll travel Australia-wide face-to-face and globally via Zoom, I can deliver training. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good to have both options, but I certainly do uh, believe we always learn and are more engaged in a face-to-face. And as you say, if it's so interactive as well and you make it fun, you know, when you're face-to-face with people, you get that kind of, you know, an additional experience 
behind just listening. Yeah. That's right, because nobody wants to attend a training program where the trainer's talking at you. I've been to them and they're terrible. So that's why it's important that you're more a facilitator than a trainer and you're facilitating the strengths of the team and making it a really engaging process. I love that. So what do you hope, like now that the book is out, um, what do you want to do more of? Is it just like now that we can go to places like do more of that face-to-face kind of stuff? Definitely. I cannot wait to get back on a plane and start delivering training everywhere prior to COVID. I was everywhere delivering training and um, yeah, it's been, you know, very Zoom based since, but yeah, it's to be able to get out and about and keep delivering these programs. And for the book, it's even just having that awareness, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So if somebody picks up the book and goes, oh, wow, that might be going on with my organization. That's the first step to any sort of change. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I was face to face for 10 years. Um, you know, we are choosing to remain online because we find what we do doesn't work more effectively. So that was the other thing that quite surprised me. What I do is like um, the face to face was amazing and that connection. But for us, because people need to write their books, necessarily being distracted by other people in their exactly. live retreats was actually a disadvantage because when yeah. we go to a two-hour writing block, if we're on Zoom and they go off and they're in their quiet room or whatever, they actually write and they don't talk at the coffee machine or party or have a few drinks in the evening. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I totally Totally agree with that. Um, you know, for me, I would need to have that structure and discipline, which, you know, I get, I, I got from you and your team to be able to write my book. But if I was in person, I'd be off doing a hundred other things instead of writing oh, my I book. Know. I, I know you're a people person and you, you know, yeah. similar to myself, you know, we like to not miss out on anything. Exactly. <laughs> so, socializing and getting to know other people and engaging in relationships rather than in writing books. So, so it was That's great. Right. That <laughs> Yeah, it was great you chose, um, you know, to take yourself away for three days. So let's talk about that process. Um, you know, we met um, through a networking event um, together and then you come, came along to my half-day seminar, which is our signature seminar that um, most people will do before they're ready to have a discussion with us because they need to make an informed decision about well, what process is best for me, Right. And then um, you decided, you know what, I'm going to do what Nad says and go away on my own and I'll, I, I know I have the discipline to complete my manuscript. And so you invested yeah. in a publishing package um, support. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about, you know, your discipline prior to handing the book into edit, um, publishing and then we'll talk a little bit about it, your publishing experience. Okay, awesome. So I am a pretty disciplined person as it is. So um, I think for me... Go- going to a retreat probably wasn't going to work around my you know other commitments and whatnot but I did have a three-day window where I took myself away and I booked a hotel for three days and I went through the process of writing the book and it I mean you know you talk about this in all of your trainings is that you think writing a book is super super hard and time consuming it doesn't have to be so I got the book written in that three days um, and then we sort of moved on to the publishing and editing side of it which you can (laughs) talk about which you can lead into yeah yeah so then of course you're going through, um, through this there's about 14 different things that we end up doing at the end yeah. of the publishing process but then the first step is like obviously you're editing you spend about a month in editing 
Then you spend about a month in layout, getting it looking, you know, really matched up to the cover, to the internals and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, you know, maybe explain, um, because a lot of people go, well, oh, my God, you know, um, you, know you can publish a book for $1,000 or you can cost $10,000, you know, just like how, <laughs> you know, what's, what is the difference? And it's all about, well, how much you have to do yourself versus you know in a thousand dollars you'd probably need to find everyone you need yourself and vet them and figure it all out and actually you don't even know what you're vetting if you've never done before and never done it before that's exactly right and I think for me that was the biggest thing and the thing that had held me back from writing the book earlier than I did was that I hadn't no clue about the publishing process and you said that there's 14 steps you would not feel like there's 14 steps and I know that there is but on the um, end of the author it doesn't feel like there's 14 clunky steps we go through because your team is such a support to us that it just feels like we're going through this beautifully streamlined, smooth process. But there is a lot that goes on in the back end of getting a book published. And, you know, to have to source everybody ourselves, to have to actually vet what you don't know you're meant to be looking for is an extraordinarily overwhelming process. And there's a lot involved. So to be able to have that support of your team, it was worth every cent. It saved me hours and hours like thousands of hours of time yeah yeah I agree I agree because I'm I know when I first initially wrote my first book I did source out a company who would do a package um yeah. and they similarly you know took me through different steps although I got quite stuck with them because in the end I didn't get my print ready file so I didn't vet the company right <laughs> right oh. because, yeah, I had to republish that first book and that's when I created my own publishing company, I wanted to avoid all the pitfalls that I had experienced. But every single time I had published a book prior to my own having my own publishing company, I always invested in a package um, yes. that was going to help me go through everything without me having to do it. I think it's very silly if you try to like, now I'm going to find an editor. Now I'm going to vet that editor. And who's going to do my cover design? And then where do I get these ISBNs and barcodes? And how do I convert a book into an ebook? And like, there's just so much in there that it's not worth it. It's really not. It's not worth doing it yourself. And you wouldn't, you'd miss steps because if you don't know the process, you don't know the process process uh, whereas your team knows the process uh, so nothing gets missed like you just said about the ISBN some people wouldn't even know how to go about sourcing that I know I wouldn't have so yeah it's definitely well worth the money yeah or the fact that every book published in Australia must go up on the national and state library and you've got to deposit it on there well how do you deposit a book into the national and state library <laughs> which is compulsory here in Australia yeah Mm. exactly that's something people just wouldn't know yeah yeah absolutely all right so where can people find out a bit more about your business and your book uh where can they get it yeah okay so the website's up there on my virtual screen so that's probably the best place to go there is actually a page on the website dedicated to the book uh where people can purchase the book and there's 
some additional resources and bits and pieces there. So the website is definitely the place to go. And then, of course, if people have, you know, specific questions, um, please reach out to me. I always love having these conversations. Yeah. So I've just got that up on the screen now for those of you that are watching this as a video um, yes. uh, live <laughs> because I know some people are going to listen <laughs> to the podcast. So unique teentraining.com.au and as we can see here the book yes. workplace whisperer is the page if you wanted to get it directly off amanda and that'll take you through to the next page i'm just trying to open that up oh, it's the same thing and there's a black button that says purchase workshop workplace sorry whisperer here um so there it uh, is. Amanda's been told she needs to plaster her book cover everywhere around this website now. So <laughs> that's the next step. But certainly, guys, um, let me also yes. show you one more um, uh, look of Amanda's uh, book cover, big on the screen. Here it is. And um, and also this book, would, you could find it on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, on all your good online reseller places which will supply it um, yeah. for you. So um, I'm super proud of everything that you've achieved. And, you know, you're my dream client that actually signs up, does what they got told to do, hands in the book, we finish the process and we're here sitting six months later with you getting on with the things you want to do in your business and all that sort of stuff. Because way too many people, when they just say, I'm just going to buy a publishing package, nine out of ten of them Amanda are going to let that publishing package just sit there fully paid for and not follow yeah. through for months yeah. years, not months years I've seen them do it so it's a great testament to you that you actually yes said what you uh, you know you you said and did what you said that you're going to do Absolutely. And look, having your team made the process so simple. I think if I were hitting roadblocks, I would keep going, oh, you know what, I'll just put it off and put it off. But the fact that the process was so smooth, um, there wasn't that desire and resistance not to keep going with it. So that made the world of difference also. Well, absolute pleasure. I think um, go out and now change some workplaces and cultures and and to do what you love doing because that's obviously I can see that lights you up and um and you know is there is it just 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 curious is it just yourself that does the training or do you have some other people who also get involved in the process uh, there are other people involved in the process, as in I do have, you know, people um, that I work with, I have a team, yeah. but it is 99.9% .9 of the time, it is me that delivers the program, um, so I can make sure that organisations are getting exactly what they need. That's beautiful. I love that personal mm -hmm. touch as well. And I actually, uh, by choice, choose to keep my business now at the size that it is so that people feel that family yeah. connection and, you know, kind of that they're not just this number amongst yeah. tens of thousands. And some companies, it's okay that they be, grow so big. Um, and yeah. others, you know, you can choose like what's enough and, and how would you like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I guess what are your values of how you want to be seen? That's exactly right. Yeah. And for me, I want, you know, quality bespoke training programs to be in workplaces everywhere. And that's what my aim is. I love that. Well, on that note, um, thank, I would want to thank you for your time this morning. Good luck with all of your books and trainings and changing the world and culture and getting more employees to be engaged. Um, and please, guys, get in touch with Amanda if you need, um, uh, not just need, you should 
be having some of your teams profiled or trained um, um, to reconnect after what's been happening in the last two years and really take your businesses to the next level. All right, guys, have an amazing day. Nice shit up. Bye. 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 Bye.